Final frontier. I am Comrade Britain. And I am Locutus of Pat. These are the voyages of the starship USS Cowboy Crocs, our ongoing mission to explore old episodes, both cringe and based, and to boldly go where the card becomes a boy. Podcast is here. Soy Trek. One half vegan, one half queer. 100% Unless we have a less leftist guest. Patrick and Britain. Talking, joking, farting, and shitting. All about Star Trek. Like our buttholes, this show is red. Soy Trek, the podcast is here. So listen to Soy Trek right in your ear. One more time for me. Sex offender <laughs> registry list, baby. Now I know who shot that plane down. What? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? You know that one that uh that he was on. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I was I was I was thinking what because the plane wasn't shot down. I thought you were talking about. <laughs> no, it uh, was. That I was... thought you were talking about Poroshkin over there in <laughs> Russia or something. If you want, like, yeah, the official mm-hmm. narrative is that it was a plane crash. Oh yeah. But I think I think someone was out. Yeah. Killed him, yeah. You, uh, famously, um, Don McLean changed his song "American Pie." Uh, you know, the day the music died, uh, mm. from the day the music was murdered. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't. They didn't die. They were murdered. They were definitely murdered because right. because United mostly of what Big Bopper knew. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. The, you, you know when Big he picked Bop- up, when he picked up that phone, he and he was like, "Hello, baby." <laughs> On the other end. Yeah. What? He's like, I've got some information to lead to the arrest of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Baby. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> that that's what was in the Podesta email. Yeah. The truth about the big bopper. He mm-hmm. knew he I knew know. like twenty years before she was even born. Right. <laughs> or maybe she was born. No, she was definitely born. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah right, by then. Yeah, because yeah, that was in what, like fifty nine or something like that. Mm, yeah. What? How old is she? I don't even know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's see. Big bopper death, <laughs> or should I say, big bopper murder? Yeah. Definitely look up Big Bopper Murder. While you do that... Uh, oh, yeah, 1959, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Look at me. The major historian over here. Yeah, look at that. Yep. Did you guess that? No, I knew that. Oh, interesting. Um, so, we have a Patreon. Did you know that? No. It's also been around since 1959. <laughs> I, I set it up originally as a fund to find out who murdered the Big Bopper. Oh, wow, yeah. Hillary was 12 years old. Uh-huh. So That's she, what I'm saying. She was already up to some business. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> what was she up to? 
shooting down planes. Yeah, she was born 1947, so mm-hmm. yeah. Shooting like laser pointers into the, the, the <laughs> pilot's eyes. Yeah, like Hillary Clinton from the Pat from the future went back and warned her about what Big Bopper was going to do. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and then um, what? Big and she's knew. like, time to change this history. Yeah, history to history. But you said we have a Patreon. We do have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. Uh, guess what you can do there for as little as $2 a month. Oh. $2 a month? Well, I mean, we're about to do an episode mm. that the people voted on from oh, Patreon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The patrons, yeah, if any, you will. Any patron. For any $2. patron for as little as $2 a month, you get all of our episodes all at once on a private feed. Mm. You get them in high-quality stereo instead of fucking bullshit-ass fucking mono. Uh, you want to hear what it sounds like in mono? Sure. It sounds like this in mono. Did they sound like this on the plane that Big Bopper died on? Uh, they certainly did. They were like, gee, what's that other strange craft there? <laughs> it looks like it has the markings of the U.S. government. <laughs> I oh, wonder but... what they're doing up in the sky. Oh, look, there's a 12-year-old girl in the, pe- in the co-pilot seat. That's adorable. Oh, my God, what is she doing? She's got a gun. She's got a gun. She's got a very big gun. <laughs> We have to tell the truth about Hillary. John Podesta. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all I got. Nice. Um, <laughs> John Podesta, he's a patron. Most Is people he? don't know that. Yeah. Isn't he also the secret father of um, the guy from Lincoln Park? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He came in his mom. Nice. Chester Bennington. Yeah. Yeah. That's why Chester Bennington killed himself. Yeah. Because he found out that um, John Podesta. Blew blew a raw load in its mom. <laughs> it wasn't about that he was his dad. He was just like, you let John Podesta go raw inside that? <laughs> mom. Yeah. Oh, mom. I was about to say it was John Podesta that killed Chester Bennington, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that makes more sense. Right. But also, he, Chester Bennington, most people don't knew, know this, but he's uh, the, the Chester Cheeto as well. <laughs> oh, well, was. Yeah. 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 That's why we haven't seen Chester Cheeto since. Exactly. Yeah. Chester, he uh, he used his tail, made a noose. <laughs> uh, he took the cheesy way out. <laughs> yeah, got hey, him. Hey, it's uh, not easy being cheesy. So. That's that's very true. That's very true. <laughs> if you have problems being cheesy, uh, please talk to someone. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, what else do you get for two dollars a month? I don't know, a bunch of cool shit. Yeah. Uh, for five dollars a month, mm. um, you uh, you know, we say thank you to people who give us five dollars or more a month. Oh, a nice. bunch of people now. Oh hell's yeah! We're gonna run through them real quick. You ready? Yeah, let's run through them all. <clears throat> Dylan Lance, Jordan Hale, David Craning, Sites, D. Gursky, Eric, and Sal Slope, Jormore, Tim Wilkinson, Sam Mayo, Kyle Simmons, PJ Hill, Shane Sawyer, Gillian McCrary, SFC Punk, King Penumbra, Roberta Molina, Seven of Nine, James Hartman, Anna Conklin, Iggy, Abigail Simpson, James Hartman again, <laughs> John Simcox, Shane Williams, Electric Baphomet, Jonah Hearn, and Nick's of art. I should have done that in the old time radio voice, the mono voice, <laughs> the dog shit mono. The dog shit mono. The dog <laughs> shit mono chronicle. Dog shit mono sounds like it would be the name of a song about like 
raising awareness about like a certain disease. Oh yeah. It's right. the dog shit mono. It's a mononucleosis <laughs> that you get from eating dog shit. Stop eating your dog's buttholes, please. Eating the dog shit and kissing your lady love. <laughs> what if what if your lady love is the dog shit? Or the Ooh, dog's butthole? Damn, I guess then you're fine. You don't get it. Yeah, you go to the it dog's has, has, You have to eat the dog's butthole and then kiss somebody. So, so right, right, yeah, right. That, that's how. So remember, kiddos. <laughs> re- remember, kiddos. If you're gonna eat your dog's butthole, be sure to kiss its butthole first. <laughs> Wait, right now, if you're gonna eat your dog's shit, yeah, be sure to kiss its butthole first before you kiss your lady love, or else things will go awry. Yeah, kiss, kiss your lady love. Or kiss your sweetheart mm-hmm. before or after eating dog shit. Well, I guess, like, if you do it before, brush your teeth. Unless it's been brought to you by the U.S. government, Department of Agriculture, Department of John Podesta. <laughs> it's every department, baby. Yeah. From the top to the bottom. Hell's I yeah. thought you farted. No. Oh, no. That's, that's a bummer. That's... You should have farted instead. That would have been cooler. <laughs> you got the fart thing on there. Oh, I guess I do have a fart now. Yeah. <laughs> Hells yeah. I also got this one. <laughs> <laughs> the joy you get from that is palpable. See, see, this is. I bought this soundboard with the Patreon money, so. Nice. So, uh, you know, if you're a supporter on Patreon, like we just mentioned, thank you so much for uh, indulging us and allowing us to buy really dumb shit that feel, makes our lives easier. I feel with these sound effects, we should just be doing jerky boy style content. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just like racist impersonations, call someone up. Be like. Uh, you stole my goat. You stole my goat. Uh, you stole my goat. And then fart noise. <laughs> Other fart noise. There we go. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the diarrhea noise. That's the diarrhea noise. Diarrhea noise. <laughs> All right. Time to, time to stop spitting the coin. <laughs> oh, <whatever>. sorry. <laughs> On the podcast. <laughs> It's, uh, what is this? I didn't, it's been here for a while. Oh, it, it goes in the, the mic. For, oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah, it's a little screw. Yeah, it is a little screw. Yeah. That's what I call my penis. <laughs> oh, a little mm-hmm. screw. Because it, it corkscrews in like a duck's penis and won't leave. I think the du- du- uh, pigs have the corkscrew penis. I think ducks have a corkscrew penis as well. Ducks, ducks have the uh, one that uh, searches through a maze because yeah. duck vaginas are like maze. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a corkscrew. Mm. Yeah, it's it's in the medically accurate Ducktales. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> I have seen that. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I love it. I've seen it a hundred <laughs> times. It's one of my favorite things ever. To crank it too. Yeah, yeah. I like thinking about them. Um, you know the uh, the, the duck. <laughs> it's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. No. 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 Um. So what's new? What's what's new with you? What's been going on? Chilling out, Max, and relaxing, all cool. Well, good to know. That's awesome. Neat. Uh, we got a thing from oh. from a fan. Oh. Yeah. Um. Have you opened it yet? Have you made sure there's not a dead rat in it? 
Um, so there was a dead rat. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't save you any. Oh, oh one second. You ate it all yourself. Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> so we got this this thing in the mail, this box, right? Mm. And What's uh, in the box? What's in uh, the box? That That's what I asked when I first got this box. Mm. And it's from um, a patron. Oh, nice. And a uh, Trek friend, uh, Degurski. Oh, nice. Degurski. 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 Uh, and I opened it up, and uh, th- there was this red box inside that says on the front, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Oh, my God, your favorite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, is, it is, like, legitimately, like, unironically one of my favorite Star Trek yeah. movies. I love this movie so much. <laughs> and I open it up. And Cybox ashes were inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just Lauren's, uh, Lauren's luck and Bell's head. In this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but but this is like a commemorative box uh, from Star Trek V, and it, it's got some amazing stuff. So first off, it comes with a certificate of authenticity signed by none other than William Shatner himself. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is a limited edition box, uh, limited to a thousands of them. This is number 226, um, and it comes with several things. So... Wow, that is his handwriting. That is definitely his handwriting. So we got, uh, first off, the Star Trek V hat that I already have. So I already have one of these. Oh, so hells yeah. You can have my old one if you want because I'm going to wear this brand new one. Yeah, and that, that one was probably actually blessed by William Shatner. Exactly. You mean spat on or came <laughs> yeah. on. Uh, we've also got a Star Trek V cup that oh my is super God. fucking sick. Oh, my God. Isn't that super fucking <laughs> yeah. sick? We've got a Star Trek V shirt. That is in size extra large. Oh my god! Which is your size? It is, but that 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 has to stay sealed. Yeah, it kind of does. I mean, does it for what? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it might be. I don't know. It might be worth something. Who yeah. knows? But at the same time, <laughs> this is something someone gave us. So Hells like, yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like compelled to like use it. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Uh, we've also got this awesome fucking pin. Check that out. Don't don't keep that. It's my pin. Oh, I know. Uh, oh my god so was this like uh something was this given out to um to people who like it gets permission material <clears throat> mm-hmm. so when the movie first came out was it only given to certain select kinds of people yeah white people <laughs> <laughs> well i mean like anyone that's involved with the um with uh with in the movie industry was it like sort of like was it only given i I don't i don't really know the story behind it uh Mm -hmm. here let's read the the commemorative gift pack uh contains the commemorative pack is available only through paramount pictures and is one of a limited edition of a thousand i am pleased to guarantee its authenticity so i don't know Mm. i don't know couldn't tell you uh but then comes what i think is the most amazing thing (laughs) the the coup de gras the coup DeGraw. <laughs> oh my god! It is a transflex. That's what it's called. Um, it's a giant sticker. Yeah, that's a huge sticker. It's, it's enormous. Like, it's, it's probably like the size of two uh, bumper stickers stacked on top of each other. It's It's about maybe four and a half by... 14 15 yeah that's that's a, it's a that's a big giant sticker. fucking bumper sticker yeah 
Yeah. So I'm still trying to figure out what to do with this because it fucking rules. Yeah. I might just put it on my car and be the Star Trek Five guy. <laughs> put it. <laughs> Yeah. Always be wearing like the Star Trek Five hat. Yeah, drinking from the Star Trek Five hat. I mean, I <laughs> no, no, I'm always drinking from the hat. <laughs> Give me my hat. I am thirsty. <laughs> Give me my hat. I must drink. <laughs> yeah, but this is like the coolest shit ever. Especially as like personally, as someone who is like you know, I have gone on public record defending Star Trek Five. You have saying it is one of my favorite Star Treks and saying it is perhaps the most fun of the Star Trek. Films. You you are the Star Trek Five defender. I I certainly am, and so like <laughs> someone sending me that like really fucking tickles me. So thank you so much, Degursky. Yeah, Degursky, you're a, you're a real one. Yeah, you're a real <laughs> a hero to to us all. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Patron, Patreon. We got through that. Yeah. Where are we now? Do we even have a show anymore? <laughs> I guess we do. What are we getting oh, into this week? Uh, best of b- both worlds, part one. Part one, indeed. So uh, we, uh, as voted on by tra- patrons, we are reviewing uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, season three, episode twenty-six, the uh, the season finale, the best of both worlds, part one. Yeah. Uh, this one first aired on June 18th, 1990. Wow. It is the 73rd episode of the series and the 180th episode of Star Trek overall. Wow. This one was written by Michael Piller, who, you know, legend in the Star Trek scene. He was mm-hmm. the executive producer of TNG, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the co-creator of DS9 and Voyager. Yeah. Oddly enough, this is one of his few writing credits mm. in Star Trek. Mostly he was just more of a behind-the-scenes guy. Mm. But uh, he was um, kind of like on his way out of Star Trek TNG, he thought at this point, mm-hmm. writing this episode. And he was like, uh, this is going to be like the last gift I give Star Trek. But then he decided to stay on. And <laughs> it's the funny to make it, make it a part one. <laughs> part is his final. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. It's like someone else will finish it. I don't mm-hmm. care. <laughs> Uh, and then this one was directed by a guy named uh, Clifford John Bull. Oh, so the big red dog. Yeah, oh. the big the <laughs> a big red dog, big red director's chair. <laughs> he uh, he just barked orders at people. <laughs> got him! I got him! I got him! Everybody! Bark! Bark! But it's <laughs> yes, bark! Barked orders. <laughs> but since uh, barked orders, barked orders. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> And then he died and went to heaven. Yeah. Because he's a dog and all dogs go to heaven. It's true. Mm-hmm. Except Clifford the big red dog because he's Satan. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Cliff Bull is uh, actually who the Bullion race is named after. Interesting. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, he, <laughs> he directed the first episode in which they were featured, which was oh, uh, really? Conspiracy on TNG. Oh, no shit. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I thought you were making a joke. No, no, no. Oh, that's cool. Does he also have, is he also bisected in the middle? And no, blue but and no he, hair. Is, he is bisexual in the middle. <laughs> uh, yeah. Only the middle. Only the middle. Yeah. Just his penis. Yeah. Which runs down the middle of him, but it, not the oh. curve of his penis. The curve of oh, his and penis then, is and then, uh, a super straight. And then which is one weird. side is straight, and then the other side is gay. It's like Two Face. Yeah, just like Two Face. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what was up with Two Face. Is like the ugly side was the straight guy, and then yeah. like the handsome side was a gay dude. Mm. Yeah, that's why he always had like women hanging on his other side because oh, he was yeah. the gay friend, you know. Oh, that's true. The expensive and then, but gay the, and, friend. But then both men and women could touch him in the middle part. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but they couldn't. They could never like cross that that border. Right. That was like it's like the um the uh, the DMZ the, the DMZ, DMZ. Yeah, 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 yeah the DMZ yeah yeah <laughs> it was like the TMZ yeah the TMZ yeah TM, TMZ reporting on that mm-hmm. um so according to uh, continuing on about Cliff Bull the director of this episode mm-hmm. according to actor Will Wheaton Cliff Bull was uh, one of many directors who treated him condescendingly on set. Uh, Wheaton elaborated saying most of them favored grabbing me by the elbow and moving me around the set rather than like giving me direction like I was a person or a professional or anything like that. The worst offender was this guy Cliff Bowl. <laughs> you know what? I kind of I did pick up on some apprehension from Wesley in this episode now that you mention it. Yeah. Like rewatching I was like kind of struck like Wesley does seem really mad the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, uh, he does, he seems out of place and just feels uncomfortable to be around. I wonder if that's due to some sort of behind the scenes thing with, uh, with the director or it's still being an early season, you know, early season fucking Wesley episode. <laughs> it is a Wesley episode. I mean, it's not a Wesley episode. He's in no, the episode. He's, he's in it. But... He's, but he's, he is feature. He is like an ensign at this point. <clears throat> so he's like, he does. Oh, he he's, is wearing, doing he's, he's wearing the red uniform too he's, the he's whole wearing, time. Yeah, he's wearing the red uniform. He's at the poker table, which I thought was like I didn't like that at all. I did not like that at all either. No. I was just like, Wesley, what are you doing there? You're a little boy. You shouldn't be gambling. <laughs> no, yeah, he should. Yeah, he should be playing checkers or something or or Yu Gi Oh. Mm, he should be having a hot <laughs> chocolate at the ten four kids table. How funny it would be if they were, if uh, Yu Gi Oh still exists in the Star Trek universe? And oh, definitely will. And uh, you know, fucking Kanye is still going to be banned. <laughs> yeah, Kanye's banned from Yu Gi Oh tournaments. Can, can Kanye is banned from Yu Gi Oh tournaments. Really, I had no for idea. Unsportsmanlike conduct. Yes. <laughs> Kanye. Kanye West. Kanye is is banned for unsportsmanlike behavior. <laughs> from Yu Gi Oh tournaments. Yes. Wow. What did he do? I don't know. A lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Sure, I'm sure for like similar reasons why he's banned from the Holocaust Museum. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Ooh. Ooh, God, what was he saying about Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh deserved to be in the Holocaust. Too, <laughs> yeah. So he said, "Yeah, put that motherfucker Yugi in the." <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, instead of sending him to the shadow realm, send him <laughs> to. Do shower or something. <laughs> um, so, Captain's Log, start date 43989.1. Was that the actual start date he gave, or did I mess that up? I don't remember. Yeah, you don't remember. Yeah. I don't need no one. I never pay attention to the start date. Uh, the <laughs> Enterprise has arrived at Jorit 4 in response <clears throat> to a distress signal from one of the Federation's outermost colonies. So Riker, Worf, and O'Brien confer in the transporter room, and there have been no communications in 12 hours, nor any sign of life on the colony. The away team, with Riker, Worf, Geordi, and Data, beam down. But there's nothing there, and no town where it should be. Mm. The away team looks over, the giant crater where the town once was. Oh my god. Yeah, they got fucking wrecked. Yeah. I don't like the part where Riker's like, are you sure we're in the right place, O'Brien? I don't like him talking back to O'Brien that way. Yeah, O'Brien's the transporter chief. 
He's the chief. He knows what the fuck's going yeah, on. And this is, yeah, this is before DS9 where O'Brien really is revealed to be a, a genius right, level right. engineer. Mm-hmm. But I, and it's kind of just sad, you know, he was toiling for so long in the transporter room, right. taking orders from like Riker and right. like being, que- being, being questioned about his, right. about his job, you know, acting like he di- wasn't doing his job. Like. Right. I mean, I wish, I wish he would have had some sass here and been like, yeah, yeah that's right. Fuck boy. I could, <laughs> yeah. I could do this job 15 pints under. I can transport your dick off you yeah, and right. send it into the motherfucking sun. I have. <laughs> I have. I've been giving you a smaller dick every time you transport it back and Riker's like so that's what's been happening he's like I'm just kidding I haven't been doing that <laughs> you're just insecure yeah. fuck you Riker I transport a layer of skin off it every single time you go through <laughs> that's why it's so raw oh god Ooh, that makes a lot of sense <laughs> so uh, opening credits at a minute and 25 seconds here yeah very quick very quick very quick Captain's log, stardate 43992.6. Admiral Hansen <laughs> and Lieutenant Commander Shelby of Starfleet Tactical have arrived to review the disappearance of New Providence Colony. No sign remains of the 900 inhabitants. You ever been to Providence? No, not yet. It's a pretty cool city. Hmm. Yeah, I like Providence. Yeah. Pretty much everywhere else around there sucks. Yeah. Boston sucks. Hmm. Yeah, never been. I've I've been to New Haven, Connecticut. New Haven is fine. Yeah, it's where it's where the evil, great evil is. Yale University, and Skull and Bone Society. <laughs> Skull and Bone. That's where they pump out them bushes. That's where they get them bushes from. There was a really good twenty-four hour um, uh, uh, market though. It was really nice. Got uh-huh. some really good food there. Yeah, at like two in the morning. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> By that, do you mean a gas station? Yes, yes, yes. 24-hour market. Yeah. Nice way to... You know. <laughs> but it was nice inside. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good selection. Sir, sir this is a 7-Eleven. <laughs> oh, 24-hour market. Give me a finest selection it was, of it, it was. It was It was like a boutique 7-Eleven. It was, it, was, it was a step above a 7-Eleven. Oh, so a 7-12. It was 7-12. It was 7-12. I... I want to. I, I. I. I was part of the seven twelve movement. It was like, that's also you know Glenn Beck had nine twelve. Right. You no, know, right, live right. the way you know like or uh, uh, or you know fucking they have the seven hundred clubs. You yeah. got a dozen more. Yeah. <laughs> it's the seven hundred plus the twelve disciples. You feel me? Seven twelve. Get with you. it. I feel you. Get with the movement. <laughs> Jesus is coming back. Yeah, just like how we wanted everyone to feel like they did the day after nine eleven. Yep. I want to feel like the way I did after. 7-Eleven. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what? Indigestion? Indigestion. Yeah. yeah. Jesus is coming back, baby. <laughs> um, Admiral Hansen, who's played by none other than George Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Do you recognize him? No, what's he from? Uh, he was from Star Trek V. He plays God. Oh, my God. Exactly. Wow, my it's, God all coming, it's all coming back to Star Trek V. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Yeah, uh, he kind of looks like Ernest Borgnine. A little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, got a, he's got a pretty rough face. Yeah, it looks, like a catch, he, it looks like a catch's mitt. Yeah, he looks like he's a he's a rough old man who looks yeah. like he's seen some shit. Yeah, he's, he probably strangled a few Nazis or something. Yeah, or he just like looked in the mirror and he's like, "Ugh, I'm ugly." <laughs> oh god, fuck! I'm a, holy shit, I'm an ugly motherfucker. God, someone just compared me to Ernest Borgnine. Fuck! <laughs> he's an ugly piece of shit. Come, sir, it Dag nabbit, dud gummit, fucking dag nabbit. 
Um, so God from Star Trek Five <laughs> is here. Uh, and he says they're not ready to face the Borg. Riker asks um, if it's in fact the Borg, and Shelby, who's hot, uh, <laughs> says that's what she's there to find out. She cites some reports that Riker wrote, and the two look at each other very um, professionally. No, it seems like they, they they start off having a very anima and like bit of animosity towards each other, which right I, from the beginning. I think it's they just really want to fuck each other, but mm. they also like want or think the other one's better than each other. They both it's, here's the thing: they both want to top. Uh. They both want to top, and both of them. <laughs> I mean, Riker can verse in the right situations, but mm. he really wants to be top, especially with femmes like that. Yeah, he, he has. He, he, you have to actually like overpower him physically. Right, and right. <laughs> make him submit. Right, like seven of nine, <laughs> he would definitely allow to top because you yeah. know she's got like the super strength and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, we'll, and, but we'll never know. We'll, we'll never know. Get to see who would would have won that top war. That's true. Yeah. Who so, do you think would win the ultimate top war, the race to the top in, in Star Trek? Who's the toppest top of them all, and why is it Jedzia Dax? I guess it would be Jedzia. Probably be Jedzia Dax. Mm. Yeah, there's no other real competitor. Maybe Kaylas. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna say Jedzia. That's a good. That's a good safe choice. Unless something comes to me while I'm, while we're talking. Fair, fair. Yeah, it could be. So Hanson says, in order to get things done, he gives Shelby a wide latitude. <laughs> Do you think they're doing the big horizontal also? No, because I think he kind of talks like they make a comments like like Picard's like, oh, are you are you hitting that and. Mm. He's just like, oh, oh, no, we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah, in a second. So, yeah. <laughs> Shelby is trying to create a defense strategy to the Borg, but it's still uh, all in development. Shelby wants uh, says she wants to see the site, and Riker says it's too late, and they've arranged an away team for the dawn. Picard has Riker show Shelby her quarters, presumably because he's probably the only one on the ship who's been in every single quarters of the <laughs> yeah. ship for reasons. <laughs> Uh, Riker invites Hansen to poker night, uh, but Hansen says he has too much to cover with Picard, but suggests Shelby, and Riker's like, two? It's just poke her night, <laughs> not poke them night. I invited you to a gangbang, and you're offering a girl? What the hell? <laughs> she She's a top. Take don't, her. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> I'm God. God is spoken. <laughs> Um, so Riker does a double take at, uh, at Shelby and he's doing a job of covering up his horny. <laughs> I don't know. I got the sense like he was kind of he's so horny. No, no. He's like, <laughs> who's, who's this bitch gunning for my job? I'm horny. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, it did seem to me. It seemed like he was already like regarding her with some sort of like caution right from the beginning. Like, uh, which didn't make sense because he didn't know that she was coming for his job at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was just like, you know, he's, he was acting very strange. Like, yeah. I mean, you're saying horny. I'm saying. Horny. No, he wants to, <laughs> he wants to stick his penis up in her beehive haircut <laughs> and, and, uh, gel it up. You know what I'm saying? Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I get, you know, <clears throat> 
that's a good way. You know, that's before they really understood the mm-hmm. dangers of hairspray. Right, right. But also, this is the future, so they do. So mm-hmm. they, so I can see that they're that's that was like a good carbon neutral way of preserving her beehive. Yeah, yeah. But he's <laughs> like, uh, he's like, she's very competent, and he like, he obviously like respects her professionally in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, he's he's making like glances at her and stuff. He's looking her up and down quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit. But it seemed like more like sizing her up rather than like checking her out. Mm, that's the thing. I don't think there's a difference with Riker. Mm. I think when he sizes something up, he thinks about two things. What would it be like to fight? And two, what would it be like to fuck? And at some point, he makes the decision whether he's going to do A or B <laughs> or it's Picard and he doesn't. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I was just thinking like... Because I don't, you don't really see this behavior out of him when he meets other commanders. That's or true. Other pe- or other people, and because he doesn't usually want to blow his load in other commanders. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Right. Name <laughs> another commander who he's blown a load in. Hmm. Uh, Kira. Well, I mean. Okay. <laughs> Wait. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that counts. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it wasn't technically Starfleet, I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And he's definitely he's probably fucked a Klingon commander or two. But oh com- yeah, probably. Commander's a different rank in other places. Like, mm. uh, commander on like a Romulan vessel is like the the number one or not the number one, but the the captain of the ship. Yeah. Yeah, so it it varies different places. Okay. But his equivalent, he probably has. Maybe. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I can't think of any. All I know is, yeah. Starfleet commanders, especially. Definitely applies like him and Kira did. Mm hmm. But but that was also probably before she. That was before her. She got on, you know, the Deep Space Nine. Right, right. And she, yeah, she wasn't. But even when she's on Deep Space Nine, she she actually doesn't she become does she become Starfleet? I don't remember if it, it lays yeah, that out in, <clears throat> in lower decks or not. Yeah, I mean it. it I kind of I thought it showed it at the end of what we left behind. Uh huh. And then like in the in the lower decks episode, she was back wearing her Bajoran. Right, right. She was yeah. Bajoran again. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't Hard remember. to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knows? Um. So. Next comes maybe my favorite screenshot and moment in all of Star Trek. Mm. Picard uh, says Hansen seems fond of Shelby, and he responds, just an old man's fantasies. At the exact same moment, Rick Berman's credit for executive producer comes up on screen. <laughs> so, so I took a screenshot of it, and it's just it says, executive producer, Rick Berman, just an old man's fantasies. <laughs> and it's incredible. An absolute masterstroke. Yeah, it basically describes Enterprise. Yes, 100%. <laughs> and a lot of... A lot of just Berman Trek in general. Yeah, yeah. Like the horniest episodes, I think, are Berman being like, like trying to recapture the horniness of of uh, fucking Gene Roddenberry, but getting it so wrong. Yeah. Because his horniness comes from a different place of... It, see, Gene's place of horniness came of wanting to have sex, but actually being able to get it. Yeah. Whereas I, Rick Berman's came from a place of, like, desiring sex, but mm-hmm. not understanding sex and, like, consent. Yeah, I think... Yeah, they're also... Yeah, they're from two different eras where Gene Roddenberry was obviously, like, keys in the fishbowl 
type dude. Yeah, he was. We're going to those parties, you know, the Keen the Fishbowl parties where Rick Berman was probably like a teenager looking through the windows of this fishbowl. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, like Rick Berman was like, you know, like doing cocaine yeah. in the late 80s uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, fucking, fuck, you know, at that time, like, you know, Gene Roddenberry had already experienced a whole life of that. Mm. And so... I don't know. Berman just sucks. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like Berman. So, um, Hansen recommends that Picard hire Shelby and tries to convince uh, uh, Riker to take the captain's chair of the USS Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Like Australia, fuck that. Yeah, right? An Australian <laughs> craft? No way. That thing can't be good. Apparently, Riker. got lots of Vegemite for you. That's not a ship. <laughs> um, so call that a shit. Apparently, Riker has already been offered the Drake, the USS Drake, named after you know Drake, Drake the singer, the pedophile, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the groomer, uh, and the Ares, named after uh, hmm. the uh, Drake's <laughs> astrological sign. Oh, nice! I didn't know he was an Ares. I don't either. I think he <laughs> is though. Hmm. I'm also an Ares. Oh, which, nice. Ladies, if you like Drake, guess who's his astrological sign? <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the goat, right? No, I actually think he's a Scorpio. When was he born? October twenty fourth. Oh, he's definitely yeah, Scorpio. Then wait, is that too wait. late for Scorpio? That might yeah, it's Scorpio. Okay, hmm. I've dated a bunch of Scorpios. Nice. Yeah, I've, I've busted busted big old fat loads of semen <laughs> into condoms and a bunch of Scorpios. Oh, hells yeah. Maybe maybe a few raw ones. <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. I'll have to meditate on that. Um, yeah, um, people also ask, is Drake a Libra or a Scorpio? Hmm. Scorpio. Fair. You know who else was a Scorpio, or who is a Scorpio? Mike D from the Beastie Boys. My main, my name's Mike D. I'm a Scorpio. That's <laughs> Actually, he, someone did his full chart, so he's a Scorpio rising sign uh-huh. with his sun sign in Leo and his moon in Cancer. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know what that means. Yeah, you do. <laughs> it means his dick be stanky. <laughs> oh, that's not. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, well, the stars don't lie. <laughs> um, so apparently Riker has been offered uh, these ships already, but is uh, staying on the Enterprise and it's hurting his career. Mm. So over with Riker, he sh- uh, shows Shelby her quarters and she lays out a theory about how they could track the Borg using an electronic resonance from their previous encounter. She begins to select away team members, but Riker has already assigned them and he will be joining also. She's totally into Riker, and it's glaring. But there's, like, this weird professionalism between them. And Mm -hmm. they need to fuck, but they won't. (laughs) Um, She's almost like a lady Riker, and I think that bothers him. Mm. Yeah. Just, like, very competent, very self-assured. I mean, they like, yeah, Picard pretty much does say that. He's like, hmm, not like one lieutenant commander I had not too long, who I chose to be my number one. Not not unlike some asshole with a beard around here. <laughs> you dumb motherfucker. Take a hint. Open up your damn eyes and listen. Yeah. You stupid fuck. Look at a mirror, beard face. <laughs> uh, so Shelby tells Riker how much she wants his job. His blow job. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but was unaware that he wasn't interested in leaving the Enterprise. 
He says she'll be the first to know if he decides to leave, but then leaves and tells her when to come to poke her. And he's like, bring your strap. <laughs> um, yeah, because I also like, why would you want to leave the Enterprise? It's like the flagship of the entire Federation. Well, if you wanted to be a captain, I guess. Yeah, it. I guess if you want to be a captain, but also I feel like he, he, Riker definitely has more fun being <clears throat> being the commander rather than. Right, right. Um, but, but. I mean, here's the thing. You can plan the sex missions instead mm. of just going along on the sex missions. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I feel like, you know, his, his belief, you know, him and Picard's <laughs> belief is that the captain should always be on the ship, though. So he wanted to be, that's the thing. He wouldn't have the sex missions if he were on the ship, if he were captain. But but he could be like, uh, there's trouble near Risa again. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go down there, and then, but then his... His number one would be like, no, you have you as the captain, you must stay on board the ship. <laughs> I must go down to rise. It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there we go. No! Yeah. Um, I think we're. I think. I think we just found out why he won't take the captain's chair. Like, he won't be able to have his freaky sex missions. Yeah, but Kirk did. Kirk did. <laughs> yes. No, that's what I'm saying. But like. As we see, like this is the maybe next maybe they generation. only send Enterprise on the sex missions. Maybe mm. that's like the horny ship, and they're like, yeah, the the Australian class. <laughs> yeah. uh, they go on the least horny missions. They just go to check out mining colonies. Yeah, that's yeah. Riker's like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, he goes on the Melbourne, and then he's just like orbiting like a uh, a. Uh, a dead planet for like mm -hmm. three months and taking right. ta taking taking uh, star taking, charts yeah taking samples of yeah, minerals and stuff yeah. and he's like where's the space pussy out here he, he opens up he opens up the up his desk drawer looks yeah. at the phaser rifle mm -hmm. <laughs> he's just like it's like i'm gonna end it just gonna end it right <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, what what would be an ideal ship for him then? What would be the ideal command? I guess the Titan eventually. Yeah, yeah, who, yeah. I mean, he does get to this like. I mean, that's and that's after he gets married. Mm -hmm. So, I guess he's retired his like sex missions and. I guess that's true, right? Yeah. Right. Unless they, unless like it's like the Titan is actually like the partner's um, ship, you right, know, where he right. gets to, they get to you know have their own have, um, you know sort of like couples type uh sex missions rather than like individual right. ones right right because i mean <laughs> especially like yeah having a half betazoid would be great for for group sex let's yeah, be honest or the fishbowl parties yeah yeah, they, oh, yeah, they, yeah exactly they, they, if you could have someone who could read vibes like that'd be perfect like the titan meets up at other planets and mm -hmm. they're like all right which fishbowl where's the fishbowl party yeah yeah we love a vibes based star <laughs> mission for sex <laughs> So next morning at dawn, Riker steps into the transporter room and is told by O'Brien that Shelby and Data already beamed down to the colony about an hour ago. Jordy and Riker beam down, and Riker chews her the fuck out, and not in the way you think. He ain't he ain't chewing on that pusher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like like it's uh like some juja fruits, you know Sounds what I'm like saying? Sounds like he's chewing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Chewing her out. Oh, uh, okay. Chewing her out. Yeah. <laughs> What do you think? Uh, so Shelby says she needed to come down to take a reading on a weather system before it passed. And uh, she also says there's no longer any doubt. The attack on the colony was done by uh, the Borg, in fact. Mm. So it is the Borg. Yeah, basically what they already said. 
Yeah, we already knew this. Yeah. <laughs> so next we get a captain's log, start date 4399.3.5. Also, there was the part, though, where, like, again, data misses a very obvious turn of phrase, mm-hmm. which I feel like if he did have so much knowledge in his databanks, like, he would know. He would, he, he would have probably read a book or been or known of a book that mm-hmm. has the term, the early bird catches the worm. Right. And he was just like, my calculations show there's no sort of like, <laughs> no, 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 right. no birds or worms here. And yeah. And he's like, uh, God damn it. Data. <laughs> a bird is a girl. A worm <laughs> is a penis. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you about the worms and the birds. The girls who get to the club first suck the biggest dicks. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. And data's like, ah, what? <laughs> Let me explain the worms and the birds to you. <laughs> that was, <laughs> the worms and the worms. When, when, when a woman goes to a glory hole. <laughs> or a man. Anyone or a man. can go to a glory hole. Yeah. It doesn't matter what's behind the hole, just that it's a wet mouth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I think that's basically the philosophy for it. What? What? I'm I'm just telling the truth over here, all right? When you go to a glory hole, it doesn't matter who's on the other side. You just want something with skills, you know what I'm saying? Someone with skills. Mm. Or something. You know, it can be a machine of sorts. Mm. Right? Yeah, possibly Data after hearing about the worms and the birds. Right. Oh, I bet bet Data would maybe... (laughs) No. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so. Unless he had to collect a bunch of samples for, for, for Beverly Crusher or something. Right. Right. It's like, I need to, I need to take the, I need to take the crew's sperm counts. Yeah. It's just pour them in my collection receptacle <laughs> and he just bends over and opens up his <laughs> asshole. His body instantly catalogs them. <laughs> <laughs> just like, goes and he goes, you are not the father. Yeah. You are not the, the father. father. You are not the father. You are the father. <laughs> uh, they're, they're all related to Riker. Um, so, Captain's Log again. With confirmation of the Borg's presence in Federation space, Admiral Hansen has returned to start at base 324 to discuss strategy with Starfleet Command. Lieutenant Commander Shelby remains on board to continue tactical preparations. Next, Riker tells Picard about efforts on the ship in preparation of a Borg invasion, and Picard asks for his opinion on Shelby. Riker tells Picard that she's good, but has not earned his confidence yet, saying she takes too many risks. Tells him she doesn't believe in condoms. And Riker's (laughs) like, that's a good girl. Um, So... Picard says a younger Riker had those qualities, such as not wearing a condom, <laughs> and then has such an amazing line where he says, Will, what the hell are you still doing here? <laughs> yeah. And the delivery is amazing. Uh, I just love it so much. Riker fumbles a bit, and Picard says that Riker should take the Melbourne. And Riker says Picard needs him, particularly now, and Picard says Starfleet needs good captains right now. Picard says that Riker is ready to take command and Enterprise will go on fine without him. But who will do all the sex missions, <laughs> Captain? Yeah, he's not ready to give up those sex missions. Definitely not. So later in 10 Forward, Riker talks to uh, Troy about taking command and Riker commiserates why he's not interested, saying he envies the initiative and risks that Shelby takes. 
Deanna tells him he's more seasoned and he doesn't love this. Deanna tells him he's more comfortable with himself and Riker says he's too comfortable here. Troy dismisses this and asks what he wants. Uh, next, Shelby goes over some techno babble with Data Geordi and Wesley about the Borg ship in front of engineering. Shelby posits a Borg ship could function even at 78% of it were inoperable. Which hmm. is... Which I feel like isn't too different from a Federation ship. Like, a Federation ship yeah. can get super fucked up and it's still <clears throat> operational. And so yeah, on. I mean, we've we've seen, like, Federation ships in possibly the worst conditions ever, you know? Especially, like, in Voyager, mm -hmm. like, the year of hell. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, 100%. Like, that ship... That ship was was being held together with like with a with a dream. Yeah, <laughs> and then, and then, just like red uh, fucking red green was going around, be like, if you can't be handsome, be handy, yeah, and putting was, duct tape on yeah, shit. <laughs> duct tape and a dream was keeping that ship yeah. together, and and it still made it through. And so yeah, it's like I would say yeah, I mean yeah, I think Federation ships are about the same, if not better. Yeah, yeah, so. Riker asks if there's anything they could do to improve the ship's defenses, and Geordi doesn't have any ideas, but Shelby has one. But Riker shuts it down immediately and says she needs rest, and it's actually really condescending. Yeah. Uh, but he pulls ranks anyway and any uh, and dismisses everybody. Well, that's she was just like, you know, I'm going to stay, uh, me and Data will stay up or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's like, nope, not acceptable, you need rest. And I feel like... He's, like, actively sabotaging having sex with her. <laughs> like, they could have had sex, like, the third scene of this episode. Yeah. But instead, it's, like, the seventh scene, and he's like, we're not going to have sex. <laughs> and she's like, fine. <laughs> and and so the two of them are mad at each other, I think, because they're not having sex, because mm. they're horny for each other. Hmm, that could be possible. I've, I've, I've had, like, relationships that were, like, super contentious with people before mm -hmm. until I had sex with them. Mm. And then it just, like, was not contentious mm. anymore then it was just like fine so i so feel you're like saying that was that they should they should have stopped preparing for a borg war to do that they should have yeah <laughs> they should have had a, a quick you know she should have been like i need a, a quick like 35 minute fuck sesh with you just to you know rob that dick and Riker would have been like i don't think i can afford that <laughs> 25 minutes she's like deal and uh I mean, we do kind of have like a scene similar where, and remember when Data is just like, "Sir, I order you to bed," mm -hmm. you know, and he's when when they weren't sleeping, right, and right, during night terrors, and so mm -hmm. yeah, they, like we could have had um, Riker do that. I I I order you to bed. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, that's not good enough for Riker because Riker doesn't, you know, the thing he does in bed isn't sleeping. No, no. No, he sleeps on the floor and fucks in the bed <laughs> like a dog. <laughs> a That's why he's going to heaven. He has a small dog bed that he sleeps in. <laughs> I can see that. I, you know, I, I can see like he had such a like contentious relationship with his father. Mm -hmm. Like his, his dad seems like Kyle. His, his dad seemed like he was probably like the kind of guy that did make him sleep in a in a dog bed when he was a bait when he was a kid in Alaska. In, yeah. in Alaska, mm -hmm. like they probably had that sort of. He was probably like. You, you want you want to be a man? So you ain't a man. Sleep in the dog bed. Only men sleep in the bed. <laughs> Most people don't know this, but in Alaska, a lot of people do sleep in dog beds. Really? Yeah. Hmm. That's why it's the dog capital of, of the United States. Well, it's dog it's, bed capital. It's called that because everyone everyone who dies there goes to heaven. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Uh, so it's it's a last contribution that's, to that's, sleep in the dog That's bed. why uh, both of my grandparents had to move down here before dying. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to hell. <laughs> They're already there, my friend. They're already there. Uh, but where's your dog bed? I don't see it. I don't live in Alaska anymore. Oh, that's true. That's true. So you get to sleep in a normal mm-hmm. bed. Right, right. <laughs> you get to sleep in the human bed. Yeah, I do. I get to sleep in a human bed again tonight. I should. <laughs> I should say that with with like my hookups is just bring them over. And be like, do you want to fuck on the human bed tonight? <laughs> <laughs> or with, with no, zero context, then pull like a dog bed from under your bed and, and curl up <laughs> in it. Like, uh, or we do in the woof woof. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I sleep here. You can still be in the bed, but I'm not allowed. (laughs) (laughs) Master says no. (laughs) My dad says I can't. (laughs) You're like, uh, I'm going to (laughs) leave. Daddy said never touch the big boy bed. (laughs) Daddy said I can't. Um, So the next day in the observation lounge, the senior staff watches Admiral Hansen remotely informing them that the USS Lalo uh, recently went missing, so Enterprise goes to investigate. Hanson tells Picard they're getting back up, but it's six days away. Picard asks Jordy about Enterprise's combat readiness, and it's not looking great. The four- again, like, like how spaced apart the Federation is. Yeah, like, like how nothing far, is close. How, how, de- how, how, how deep are they in space that, they can- that the closest help is six days away? <laughs> and there's no other, like any closer sh- um ships or even like federation planets that can assist like you know no mm. i mean so the enterprise is known as like because it's the flagship it's kind of the the ship that goes farthest yeah into a new territory mm-hmm. and so i figure they're probably going farther into beta quadrant at this mm-hmm. point because that's where they spend most of the first few seasons is like going through alpha and beta mm-hmm. so i don't know mm. who knows um, so LaForge says they'll retune their phasers and it's about the best they can do. Uh, the Enterprise is at high warp now and detects a Borg cube which moves to intercept it. Picard tells Worf to call Hansen and tell him the engagement has begun. It has begun. Between Riker and Shelby, they're mm. having a baby. <laughs> no. Um, she made him wear a condom. <laughs> Much to his chagrin. Next, Picard is hailed by the Borg. Like, personally hailed by the Borg. They're like, let us talk to John Luke Picard, please. <laughs> is, is he, is, is he, is he, no, 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 you go first. <laughs> oh, 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 can I, can I leave a, can I, can I leave a message? Should I, should I leave my number? It's, it's, it's the Borg. Or I should say our number? Yes. I'm sorry, sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> Wait, is guys okay? Oh god! Oh no! Oh no! Oh, I don't know what to say anymore. Uh, uh, bye. <laughs> we have the Mook Mind Virus here on the Borg ship. Oh god! Yeah, they. We have the the Mook Mind Virus. They do go by they them. Oh, that's true. <laughs> they them are the Borg. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, Borg are canceled. Yeah, so the uh, the Borg demand Picard surrender, and the bridge officers realize the Borg's priorities are no longer exclusively technological, but now personal. Mm. Picard refuses the Borg and tells them to withdraw out of his ass. <laughs> a skirmish ensues, and the Borg trap the Enterprise in a tractor beam. 
Enterprise's phasers don't even work now. Commander Shelby tells Data to use random phaser energy, and they sever the tractor beam, allowing the Enterprise to retreat. And Data reports 11 crew members are dead and 8 are missing. The ship enters a sensor-blinding nebula where they hide from the Borg cube. Mm. Much like Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Shelby, Riker, and Engineering are in the observation lounge reviewing their skirmish with the cube, finding a specific band of phaser frequency that nullified the cube's power. LaForge and Wesley come up with a plan to use that frequency with the main deflector dish in order to create a weapon. Shelby fears such a blast will destroy the Enterprise, but Riker disagrees given enough distance. He's like, I just pull out and blast from a distance. Nothing bad happens. I do this all the time. Riker approves Shelby's plan to retune all phasers to the same band, but dismisses her wanting to separate the saucer section to divert the Borg. Shelby insists that Picard be given her plan, but after Riker says he personally presents all ideas to Picard, she exits with Data and Wesley, leaving Riker and LaForge to remark on her stubbornness. But they both agree she could help the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. <coughs> it's kind of like misogynistic here a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Riker later enters Picard's ready room to find Shelby there, having brought her controversial suggestion to the captain. Pretty pretty not cool there, lady. Mm-hmm. Although it is a pretty good plan, so maybe mm-hmm. it is cool. Yeah. Um, Picard agrees with an uncomfortable Riker that the right time for Shelby's plan is not quite yet, but dictates that her proposed strategy should be used as a fallback measure. Riker accepts Picard, telling him to make the necessary preparations to enact her plan. Next, Riker and Shelby board a turbo lift, uh, but Riker immediately stalls their journey to the battle bridge on deck eight. He chews her out, once again, not that pushy, <laughs> and angrily warns Shelby not to bypass his authority again. After he grants her permission to speak freely, she bluntly states that Riker is in her way. <laughs> and he's like, what you gonna do about it? And she's like, I like a brat, and they fuck right there in the turbo lift. Or they, they should have had, like, the amok time fight. Where, oh, where, uh, you know, everyone has sex on the ship? No, just not, like, dun 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 No, we already got that on another thing we watched. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, but we I did. mean, like, but I, you can tell they want to fight, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that other thing we watched, I mean, um, uh, 1994's The Cable Guy! The Cable Guy! I do love that movie. Uh, me too. It's pretty good. <laughs> um, so, uh, Riker mocks Shelby's frustration, but then she criticizes the cautiousness of his shipboard service, telling him that if he cannot make the big decisions that go with his rank, then he should make room for someone who can, which is pretty fucking brutal. Yeah. Uh, this scene was really intense, well acted, really good like yeah. dialogue between a couple of characters. Yeah, it was excellent. Captain's log, Stardate, doesn't matter. It's the almost, Enterprise, almost as if Shelby's a bigger threat than the Borg right now. Maybe. At <laughs> least a right. Uh, yeah, to the patriarchy. <laughs> to the yeah. patriarchy. Uh, so Captain's log doesn't matter. Um, the Enterprise remains concealed in the dust cloud, and to my surprise, the Borg have maintained their position, waiting for us to come out of hiding. I have no explanation for their special interest in me or the ship. We continue to prepare our defenses for the inevitable confrontation. But I must admit, on this night, I contemplate the distinct possibility that no defense may be adequate against this enemy. 
After touring the ship, Picard visits Tent Forward, where Guinan wonders what he's doing, and Picard says it's tradition for a captain to tour a ship before battle. And Guinan asks him if he might win, and he says they could prevail. Mm-hmm. Um, is it tradition? This is the first time we're ever seeing him do it. Uh, well, I mean, they're not usually going into battle, or know when they're going yeah. into battle, so yeah. I, I think this is maybe the first time. We don't know. Yeah. But also, yeah, the first time we know he's actually going into battle. Yeah, and the first time Guinan's ever seen him do it. <clears throat> right, right. So <laughs> he wonders about the end of the Roman Empire because, of course, Picard thinks about it like 30 times a week. Oh, yeah. He's Just definitely like, a Roman so he, he, Empire damn, guy. He's a Twitter guy. Oh, he's so... He's a Roman Twitter guy. Oh, he's, a, he's so like a statue fucking <laughs> PFP. Uh, Guinan says this isn't the end given her experience. She says her people were destroyed by the Borg, but some of them were scattered throughout the universe. She says they will prevail, even if it takes a millennia. Suddenly, the ship is rocked and Picard is hailed to the bridge. Some magnetic surge uh, is there and they're draining the shields. Picard asks LaForge for as much power as they can get and the hole is briefly breached, so the Enterprise takes it out of the nebula and the Borg ship follows and attempts a tractor beam. Suddenly, a Borg appears on the ship, and Worf shoots it, and it goes down. Mm. Another one comes on and beats up the entire bridge crew, and a third comes on and steals Picard. Say what? Steals motherfucking Picard. Oh, my God. Yep. They take him away. Um, so the Borg vessel takes off at high warp, and the Enterprise takes after. The Borg cube takes off towards Sector 001. Guess where that is, baby? Earth. It's the Terran system. That's Earth, baby. Picard is taken to the Borg's cube, uh, Borg Cube's collective voice, which is just like a giant hallway, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it tells him that uh, he has been chosen to be the li- liaison between the Borg and humanity to expedite the assimilation of Earth. Picard refuses to help, saying that he would rather die, but the Borg maintain that his efforts to resist them will not succeed. Which makes me think, the Borg could learn a lot like obviously they haven't like um you know assimilated anyone who knows anything about consent mm. because they're not really into consent at all no no yeah it's basically very much against people's will but maybe like the good burger into that into consent be like yeah. may we assimilate may we assim- you you will be assimilated if you say it's okay yes uh, are you well informed about the assimilation? Do you need to know anything before we go any further? <laughs> I just want to make sure you're feeling safe and good about everything. <laughs> we are the Borg. We are the Borg. Um, so they, them are the Borg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so back on the Enterprise, Jordy tells Riker that the deflector dish is nearly weaponized, but will require abundant power from the warp engines. Riker arranges an away team to retrieve Picard and take Shelby's advice to get the cube out of warp before engaging them. Riker leads the team himself and leads Shelby in charge, but Shelby asks to come along and Riker refuses, so Troy pipes in and says Riker is needed on the bridge, so he reluctantly assigns Shelby in his place. Next, we get a first officer's log. First officer's log, stardated, doesn't matter. Our pursuit of the board continues on a course that will take us to the very core of the Federation. The devastation they could bring is beyond imagination. So, Shelby, Worf, Data, and Dr. Crusher are transported over to the board craft, armed with newly retuned phasers. 
Shelby says their phasers will work exactly once or twice before the Borg adapt, and you'd think they'd be smart enough to just adapt to the phaser frequencies, but okay. To just all of them at once. We're like, at this point, Worf should be knowing the ring is being left. Right, exactly. It's like, okay, well, they can deflect like phaser weapons, but Mm -hmm. they can't deflect physical combat like swords and shit. Right. So... Why not? Why not they just have sword? And then, like, it doesn't seem like they needed to save that joke for Picard season three. <laughs> yeah, but also it's like, uh, yeah, they they don't see, after dealing with the Borg mm-hmm. uh, like for years, they never seem to equip Starfleet officers with any sort of edged weapons or, true. Any, or any sort of like physical weapon to That's true to combat the Borg and and and, and in an emergency they always mm-hmm. seem to rely on on phasers which can be adapted to and then mm-hmm. re- uh, rendered obsolete and they're going into like the heart <laughs> and they're usually going to the heart of the Borg ship where it's the most dangerous right and, and still you, not bringing you, swords you figure that they'd like figure out something to like combat the nanites because the Borg nanites are like the big thing that they have to combat yeah like wear some sort of armor they, right. don't, they don't have any sort of like armor that they wear like they don't adapt they don't even try to adapt any sort of armor they're just always going into their pajamas yeah yeah <laughs> like, they do yeah like, they're uh, like yeah we got this onesie here that's yeah, our armor yeah. that's our armor against these things with fucking tendrils that shoot fucking robots out of them into your skin <laughs> yeah like what what? <laughs> yeah. And so you're wearing the fucking like rayon onesie? <laughs> sure. All right. All right. Okay, sure. Yeah, a thing that's like paper thin <laughs> can just get easily get and also n- doesn't protect your neck or hands or face really, just like you can mm-hmm. just get tubed wherever. Yep. Getting the big tube. Getting that big old tube. Getting tubed down at the boathouse. <laughs> um so data notes the Borg mostly ignore you if you're not seen as a threat. Shelby says that may change should they interfere with the plans. And really, also that just means they won't they won't uh, engage with you until you become um, uh, significant to the plot. Right, exactly. <laughs> like until the plot says you can. So Picard is non-detectable, and the Borg seem passive with the crew around. Doctor Crusher notes the Borg linkups and how they could be sabotaged. Worf detects Picard's comm badge, but Picard does not respond. So the team heads towards it. In Enterprise's ready room, Riker urges Admiral Hansen to prioritize Earth's protection and defense, but Hansen says the fleet will all meet at Wolf 359 to make a stand together. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Riker notifies Hansen of what's happening with Enterprise and implies that they haven't found Picard yet. Over on the Borg Cube, the away team finds Picard's uniform and comm badge together in a Borg drawer. Shelby tells Riker. I like how they have. A, they just keep this. Does that mean they have every single person's, whatever they were assimilated in? They just have like a drawer with their shit in it. Yeah, that's correct. They're all <laughs> I- IKEA drawers, and they're yeah. all the design is called Borg. Yeah, just like stuff they'll never need. They just like keep it and just like just do nothing with it forever. Yeah, they're like, uh, yeah, just in case we're gonna keep all your mementos. <laughs> we'll keep your clothes. Yeah, not not instantly incinerate them. Yeah. Or if they have, they probably the, have. They yeah, have the, replicator technology. They could they could just put it into that into their replicator and yeah. But it's it's like yeah. Why would you why would you keep with? like people's only connection they have left to like their history and humanity? Yeah, <laughs> that's super weird. Also, it doesn't seem, like they wouldn't they would have zero need for it unless unless they're like we need to study your uniform. How does this onesie <laughs> technology work? 
We don't understand. It's so thin and has no protection at all. Are you telling me this is a blanket with sleeves? <laughs> <laughs> you call it a snuggie? <laughs> we could become more powerful than anything with this. <laughs> Take over the galaxy. <laughs> it's actually the secret weapon. They introduce the Snuggie <laughs> to the Borg. <laughs> they just like stay everyone on, loves him so much. <laughs> they just stay on the Borg, just end up staying on the couch and and just like relaxing. <laughs> just never. <laughs> Have you heard of this Netflix and chill? <laughs> My God, this thing called Uber Eats. <laughs> we don't. We never have to leave the house. Wear Snuggies and eat delivery. Hell yeah. We love to see it. Yeah. That's how the Borg are defeated. Yeah. Become lazy. Yeah. <laughs> they just live on the apps, brother. Live on the apps. Living on the apps. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I mean, that also sounds like someone who just like lives on appetizers. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. I skipped way too far in here. I don't even know where I am now. doesn't matter. I mean, usually the appetizers are the best thing at restaurants. Yeah, yeah. I went to a place called Crowbar in um, Bothell last mm. week, and uh, beforehand we smoked a joint. Mm. And we went in, and uh, they they put us at our seat, and the the host comes up to us, and he was like, "Hey, uh, guys, uh, I gotta have a real talk with you. Um, you smell like marijuana, <laughs> so we we can't serve you." Are you serious? And I was like, "Oh, there was like this long pause, like maybe like ten seconds," <laughs> yeah. and I was like. You can't serve us food? And the guy's like, oh, you came here for food. No, we can totally serve you food. Just like <laughs> not alcohol because it's like we could lose our liquor license and stuff. Uh, and I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, we, I don't I don't drink, so cool, man. Yeah, we came here for the appetizers, bro. Yeah, yeah. That's why we're <laughs> that's why we smoked weed before we came. <laughs> I had no idea that was a thing. I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah. They, but apparently, uh, like the, the the goth waitress there told us that um, earlier in the day, someone found a joint in the restroom, or the the boss found a joint in the restroom. Mm. The guy who owns the place, and so like he chewed everyone out, and he was like, "We got our liquor license." No, you. No one's gonna fucking take away your liquor license because someone left a fucking joint in the restroom. I've also yeah. That's that's also very like that seems like a very bawful thing. Yeah, it's silly. Because it's like it was pretty silly. That 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 seems like yeah, it's just like awful, awful. I I, like no one else cares about that. I've never like Mm -hmm. I'm sure like in Seattle, everyone's showing up smelling like weed. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) There's just like no one's ever said anything. Uh But this but like this guy in Bothell's is like, oh my Mm -hmm. god, I'm gonna lose my liquor license because people smell like weed. That's exactly exactly how he sounded. I'm sure. Um. So, uh, on the board cube, the away team finds the uniform and com badge in the drawer. Shelby tells Riker that he's also informed, uh, and he's also informed the deflector weapon is ready, but will require evacuation of some sections of the ship. Riker orders the away team to find a way to disengage the board cube from warp. Shelby has Data and Worf destroy a distribution node, and the disturbance influences the Borg to become energized, and the team shatters two more nodes. The sabotage causes the cube to drop out of warp, and Riker prepares to fire the weapon. Meanwhile, the away team disables several approaching Borg who quickly adapt to their phaser technology. The Borg close in on them, and Crusher notices Picard in the distance and calls out to him. But as he turns... 
his face to the crew, he reveals that he has several Borg implants on it and is now motherfucking Borg. He's Borg. Um, you're Borg. You're Borg. You're Borg. Borg. Borg heads to get him, but a force field blocks his way and knocks him <clears throat> down. Just like a blue barrel. <laughs> Shelby commands them to make a retreat and they beam back to the Enterprise without Picard. Very convenient. So now Riker's job is open, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> so back on the bridge, uh, the away team tell Riker that Picard is now a Borg. Shelby and Crusher are intent on making each other uh, another rescue attempt, but the Borg cube re-energizes, and Riker says instead they will need to use their deflector weapon, as it's the only chance to destroy the Borg. At warp, the weapon will be useless. Shelby proposes sabotaging the Borg cube again and orders Worf to contact Starfleet to consult with Admiral Hansen. Riker refuses both options, saying simply, they're out of time. The Borg then hail the Enterprise. The crew watches in horror as Captain Picard, now calling himself Locutus of Borg, uh -oh. uh, says the collective's intention is to assimilate the Enterprise and destroy the Federation. Determined and with no other options, Commander Riker makes an ultimate decision and says, Mr. Worf, fire. End of season three. Whoa! End of the episode, end of season three. Great fucking cliffhanger. Yeah. Just, like, uh... Is Picard gonna come back? Is he gonna die? Who knows? That's a great question. Um, so this episode fucking rules. What do you think? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's also interesting, like, this episode is basically, like, the beginning of a lot of the themes that run through TNG for the rest, for the right, rest right. of its run and, mm -hmm. and on to, like, the movies and, straight up, and Picard. Yeah, <laughs> like, straight this, up. The season three of Picard, like, if it weren't for this episode, season three of Picard wouldn't have happened yeah. at all. And really, honestly, season one of Picard wouldn't have happened oh, at yeah, all. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it, and first contact you know it's yeah this might be the most consequential episode yeah. in all of star trek tng yeah mm -hmm. if not like maybe the entire franchise yeah like i mean introducing the borg in uh, q who was you know very iconic and mm -hmm. a, a big thing but like this is the first time that you know the borg are actually like coming after earth yeah, and destroying like a lot of shit. Establishing themselves as a as a um, series villain rather than just like right, um, right. something some uh, an alien species the Enterprise encounters in one episode. Right, exactly. Like, a monster, like an alien of the week type mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Um, so here's some interesting production notes. Uh, Michael Pillar was unsure how this episode's two-parter would end when he first uh, sat down to write the episode. He began with the need for a season-ending cliffhanger. Naturally, the episode was designed to create anticipation for the return of the series of the following season. Mm. And also a way for um, Patrick Stewart to, uh, to have a better um, uh, um, this, uh, negotiating tactics for season oh, true, four. because he be has able, to be there. Yeah. yeah, it'd be like, you know what? But they could better also, pay me more. They or, could you also know, you write him out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that's, yeah, that's true, yeah. Like, well, oh, that's the thing. Yeah, the writers could be like, you know, we can just fucking kill you, dude. Yeah, but everyone <laughs> likes Riker. No one's going to complain about Captain Riker and Commander yeah. Shelby up in the place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, here's an interesting one. The real reason Dr. Crusher was included in the away team that attempts to retrieve Picard from the Borg was that actress Gates McFadden had mentioned a pillar 
that it would be fun to fire a phaser, as her character wasn't usually provided with the opportunity for much phaser action during the series. Pillar was happy to accommodate her request. As the episode's text commentary notes, even though it makes logical sense for a medical officer to go on such a mission, uh, the situation raises the question of why it was necessary for the chief medical officer to risk her life by partaking in such a dangerous mission. Yeah. Just before the away team was beamed to the Borg ship, Shelby is even specifically reminded by Riker not to take any unnecessary risks. Very yeah. good point. Yeah, they could have sent Nurse Agawa or something. Right, and right. Said, or Sealar. Dr. Yeah. Dr. Right. Sealar, who mm-hmm. we see, saw for one episode. Mm-hmm. You know, they could send them and instead of, yeah, the chief medical officer. Well, bring back Pulaski. <laughs> hey, you go. No yeah. one likes you. Um... So in an early draft of the story, uh, Picard and Data were combined as one Borg unit. Oh, geez. Michael Piller recalled, uh, someone said, why should they do this? And we didn't have a good answer, so we dropped the idea. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's a bad idea. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's pretty <clears> bad But it would have also probably given a little bit more credence to, like, um, you know, in the movies... Like it, like they try to go like, oh, Picard and Data have this, you know, and also in Picard, the Picard mm-hmm. series. Yeah, they uh, have an Pic- innate connection to the board. Yeah, Picard and Data are like our best friends, mm-hmm. and um, they've and they've always been best friends. But no, it was Jordy and Data. Yeah, Jordy yeah. and Data are best friends. But in the movies and in the Picard series, <laughs> oh. it was oh, Picard and Data had always had this like this this connection to each this other. This is like autistic bets, besties erasure. Yeah. And I don't like it. Like, but yeah, I'm just saying, like, yeah, it would have made sense if maybe they had been connected at some point. Mm-hmm. That could have, that could have. Opened oh, like the, it, like by the penis. Yes. Like they have yeah. to dock with each other. Like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a Chinese finger trap. Right, right, but, but made out of foreskin. <laughs> but, uh, but made out of Borg technology. So. All right, man, yeah. you ever, you ever eat you a Chinese finger trap, but made out of foreskin? You ever chew on something like that, like a piece of bubble gum? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But like, if they had been connected and in, into a single being, mm-hmm. like that could have that could have like um, established some sort of like relationship with each other. That mm-hmm. could, that that would have made more sense. And that with that, uh, in regard to like how the movies and Picard se- and the, the Picard series portrays it, it, them, it could have made it like super gay. Like especially yeah. if Picard like like longed to return to that state, and mm. he was just like. Stop the turbo lift. (laughs) Mr. Data, I want to be inside of you again. They could have had, like, um, Picard could have had um, his uniform hanging in his his closet, Mm -hmm. and um, Data's uniform is inside Mm -hmm. um, Picard's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just hanging there in the closet. Right. That's symbolic. Yeah. Brokeback Mountain type stuff. Right, right. Yeah. USS Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> USS Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, that would have been. Uh, yeah, and that that could have left opened up also doors to other uh, to episodes where you had know, like yeah, Data and Picard maybe still have some tele- telepathic connection or something. Or, mm-hmm. Who knows? <laughs> so your suggestion is this should have just been much gayer. Uh, uh I, no, I think it's fine. No, I agree with you. It should have been much gayer. <laughs> Make it gay. Make it gay. Yeah, yeah, they could have they, uh, they could have had like a data Picard. Um, I'm sure that already exists in some, um, you know, slash fiction that exists. 
mm-hmm. out there, but you know that could have made it real. Speaking of slash fiction, apparently he's helping to write a new Deathstalker comic series. Slashes. Slash. Mm, the, oh, the guitarist from Guns N' Roses. Correct. Mm. So he's actually making slash fiction. Oh wow! Which I really <laughs> like. Yeah. <laughs> and and he, what is he writing? Wolverine. No, Deathstalker. Deathstalker. Deathstalker okay. was like um. Uh, a fantasy no it's like a fantasy franchise from the 80s they had four films they're all really bad and they all use like the exact same footage like yeah who like who is that gonna be for it's gonna be it's gonna be for me (laughs) yeah it's just like hey kids remember slash who (laughs) (laughs) remember this old dude from a band that was bigger in the 1980s and a fantasy film that was not big in the 1980s but they kept making them anyway well your favorite guy who plays guitar from a 1980s band 35 fucking years ago is rewriting the 40 year old franchise kids yeah this guy, this guy who, this guy who was basically obsolete twenty years before you were even born. <laughs> yeah, finally, fiction for people who care too much about how their headphones sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a comic, you know, for just middle aged people. The first comic for audiophiles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, hopefully he's not, he's better at um, making comics than he is playing guitar. Oh, <laughs> got, him. got him, motherfucker! Fuck yeah. you, Slash. Yeah, fuck you, Slash. He's already guitar. Yeah, okay. he's. Um, I remember he was like. Uh, they they had a Slash like character be the villain of the movie Six String Samurai. Mm-hmm. Like we're in a world. It's a post apocalyptic world, and uh, Buddy Holly is a. Or a Buddy Holly like character is a samurai. We I think we figured out who murdered the music. It was Slash. <laughs> it was Slash. Slash made the music. Oh die. my god! Right? Yeah. It was it was fucking Slash in the book repository. <laughs> yeah. The fucking sniper rifle aimed at an airplane. Well, actually, I think in the movie, the Slash character mm-hmm. killed the king, who was Elvis. It was Elvis coded. Well, but Big Bopper is also Elvis coded. He is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was no big bopper. The, the Red Elvises are in that movie, though. Mm-hmm. If you know who they are. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty bad movie, I think. The concept was good. Mm-hmm. As a very annoying child character, that most child characters are annoying. Yeah, the child character like the boy. Away. It should have just the been, boy is annoying. It should have just been the concept of Buddy Holly being a samurai. That's 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 that's, that's all that's you need. Pretty, oops, yeah. That's pretty sick. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty much all you need, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, that's probably a good place for us to leave it on this episode. Yeah, because I guess we're going to be doing the second part of Best of Both Worlds. I guess next. we are. Yeah, if you want to. Yeah, yeah. People know what happens. Yeah, let the people know. <laughs> well, I guess. I guess that's a good place for us to leave it. Thanks mm-hmm. for hanging with us, Soyagers. Yeah. Be well, travel safe, and absolutely watch the best of both worlds part one. It's, yeah. it's a delight. Yeah, it's the it's the cornerstone of a lo- of the rest of the TNG, basically. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks for checking with the Soy Boys, Girls, and Ridley Beans. Hang, Hang dong and shocker.
Time to die. Time to motherfucking die. 